Welcome to the London Welsh Rugby Club podcast. We are already on episode three, but if you haven't managed to listen to the previous pods with club chairman Danny Griffiths or director of rugby Kai Griffiths, they are available on all podcast platforms. Many thanks for your correspondence on the pods. Please feel free to subscribe, write a review, or tweet us your thoughts on the pods. I'm Gareth Vaughan-Jones, and I hope you enjoy this week's special guest. Welcome to London Wells podcast, former skipper and all-round club legend, Jonathan Mills. Hi, Gareth. How are you, mate? I'm fine, How are you? I'm good, pal. I'm sat, sat inside watching the, the world go by, so I can't complain. No worries. Before we get into this week's pod, I just want to um, deliver some sad news on the passing of Pat Bryan, who died on May the 27th, the wife of Kelvin, former benefactor of London Welsh, when you were captain the side. Have you got any sort of memories you'd like to share with our listeners at all, John? Uh, well, I just think, we've got, you know, we've got to say thanks to them because between them two, we, we obviously got to where we were. and I, w- I wouldn't have got the career out of uh, that I did, rugby that I did. So, uh, you know, obviously, it's condolences to Kelvin and everyone and their family because uh, Pat was a lovely lady. I remember her sending us uh, a Welsh love spoon for our wedding anniversary and everything. So, you know, just good people who really wanted London Welsh to be a success. Uh, great stuff. Well, th- thanks for that. Um, we'd really appreciate that. And how have your family been during lockdown? It's been hard graft, mate. I'm not going to lie. We've, uh, <laughs> we've been homeschooling Daisy. Uh, she's five. And then we've got Etta, who is two and a half, and she's mad. As soon as Daisy does something, she's in there. And, uh, you know, it's been uh, just trying to stop them fighting half the time. But no, it's, luckily, the weather's been good. So we're able to get outside in the garden, done a lot of work up there. And, uh, you know, I think uh, it's been great to have that time to spend with them, which we wouldn't probably have without this opportunity. And have you been sort of keeping fit? Because I think I saw you in one of Ed Jackson's uh, events or charity fundraising where you were climbing up the height of, or he was climbing up the height of Everest on his parents' stairs. And you were at some stage not competing with him or just motivating him or something? No, all it was, Chris Jenkins, the old physio, he, uh, he bet I couldn't do it. So I just said, for every step I do, I'll go, he's got to pay a pound. So I just did 450 off, off the cuff. Obviously, supporting Ed with what he was doing was a great, uh, great thing that he's done to climb that many steps. I, I, I'm struggling after 450, so I don't know how he did all them. Do you know how many steps he did then? Well, oh, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I think it's something silly, like 8,000 or something. He was doing it. He's doing it for four or five days. I know that much. Like three different mm-hmm. stints. Um, so yeah, it was a hell of an achievement to do that because the four fifty is pretty mind numbing. So it could be pretty dark on times. I'm sure. I could see plenty of the uh, former London Bars players giving you a bit of jip on Instagram Live. Oh no issue, no issue. I'm used to that, mate. That comes every week. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get to London Welsh, it'd be good to understand so where it all began for you, John. Where did you think that uh, rugby might offer you an opportunity as a career? Uh, it was probably when I was 15, 16. I was um, playing back home at Kevin's uh, in my school and uh, doing Ravelli in one of the local schools, which was one of the better schools. They were playing some of the scholar schools up in England and uh, we were going. a few of us were going on tour with them to South Africa. So it was a bit of an agreement in the local uh, authority that we could go play with them against these better better schools away from home, etc. So I went up to Colston's and uh, ended up playing against some get playing against Colston's and from that they offered me a scholarship. Uh, so I went up there for a two year 
two-year uh, boarding scholarship. Uh, so I was there 16 to 18, and through there, it was a pr- pretty natural progression for people to go and play for Bath. Uh, so I just followed that footstep, really. So you're at, you're at Bath then. So did you play any sort of uh, first-team games at Bath at all? No, I didn't play first-team. I was mainly playing A-League, I was. So I was trying to, I was trying to manage it with my studies because I joined um, UWE. Uh, on a university degree but uh, I canned that after a year because I weren't getting enough out of it because I was just concentrating more on rugby so a bit more fooled me I wish I'd done a bit more of that but uh, I wanted to give Bath a proper crack so I moved it, moved across to Bath a year later at 19 uh, then obviously we had a crack at that and then we, I think it was the year we won the uh, under-21s championship uh, with Wales so from there there was obviously a lot of a lot of interest in me to go back to Wales with uh, with everyone trying to get everyone back in Wales etc and uh, I ended up going to the Scarlets from there and who was in your cohort then at the Wales in the 21 because I'm sure you played with many of the Kai, people who got Kai all those grand slams in the late 20 pardon yeah Kai was in it uh, so we had Kai Dwayne Goodfield uh, and then you had Alan Wynne uh, myself Ian Evans James Merriman Chris Davis uh, you had Matthew Jones, obviously ex player at the club. Uh, you mm-hmm. had nine James Island. Uh, I was played there. Trying to think, Stephen Island in the centres. Jamie Roberts, Andrew Bishop, Chris Cheke, Ricky Williams, and Brewy Alan Brewer then as well. So we, we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good side. And then, so you, that was the cohort of, of your sort of under twenty ones, and then you were a. Tenecki then that went to the Scarlets then you said yeah yeah so I joined them in their first year of uh, was it the first year or second year of regional rugby was it the first or second I can't remember to be honest I think it might have been the first second year it was just after Stephen Jones left so uh, I joined up that year with uh, Gareth Jenkins uh, Paul Moriarty Nigel Davis uh, and Wayne Proctor was okay and then, and then obviously after that uh, you were Joined London Welsh. So there was it two thousand seven. Had you heard much about London Welsh prior to joining them? Uh, not really, just because I I, I weren't really you to the ground about rugby too much. To be honest, I'd obviously uh, been up to London a couple of times. And when I'd been up doing the exile program, I did. That's when I met uh, Terwin for the first time. When Terwin was running that, and uh, I think I think we did a day at London Welsh. To be honest, but I wasn't. I've never been great at rugby history. If that makes sense. <laughs> Only your history. Only mine, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so the exiles are still coming to London Welsh twice yeah. a season, and um, Terwin gave a speech last time. So he he's not involved anymore, but he still comes to watch them train and has a big interest in what they're doing. Yeah, he's a good boy, Terwin, top man. And he's, he's still on the boards at London Welsh, which is great to see. So, 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 who was captain when you started playing for the club? Uh, it was Chilts. Chilts was captain at the time when I joined the club. Alan Chilton, okay, and, the, and who who were the sort of main players in the back in that day? Because um, I'm trying. You know, well, when I first when I first when I first came up there, it was um, I only came up on loan at the beginning. I think I was up there for six weeks, I believe, when I was down the Scarlets, and uh, that was when Chilts, J- uh, James Strong, Kevin Burke, Howard Quigley, uh, and George Robson came on loan with us, and Tom Guest. He was there at the same time, so. Um, we, I went up there for six weeks. I think we were, we were in the relegation zone at the time when I first joined, and uh, we ended up staying up that year. And uh, you know, it was, good, it was good crack to be fair. And was this in the championship? No, this was pre pre championship. This was this was proper proper that one. This was as a while ago now. <laughs> this was before <laughs> the championship because it was then. I think it was that next. No, it was pre championship because then 
the U-Elite is when I joined the U-Elite that was after that and got released by the Scarlet um, and I joined Welsh from there and again it was pretty tough here it was, it was, full, it was still semi-pro at the time so um, I was living back in Swansea at the time and uh, to be fair the club the club got us a car from Citroen and I would pick I would pick Kevin Burke up on the way in Bridgen from Swansea on a Tuesday and Thursday match there I'd pick up uh, Ian George Christian Gay Owl Jenkins he'd jump in as well uh, and we'd get all the way up to London for training on Tuesday Thursday get in the car as quickly as possible and then foot down to get home <laughs> quite a big car then yeah, we had the old uh, Citroen C5 Picasso, I think it was. It was, it was good fun. Because <laughs> yeah, I've always, always been a roller coaster playing and, and supporting the club, really, because um, you know, there's so many rumours and things happening at, at London Welsh during the time you were there. Because there were rumours about London Welsh joining the Magnus League, weren't there, yeah. at one stage? Yeah, yeah, there was talk. Of, like, the, the, one, you know, the one thing that really wanted me to come to London Welsh is that they were actually trying to do something. There was a plan, uh, maybe, maybe not. Well, maybe a plan built on sand, but the plan there was a plan to actually try to go somewhere because I don't. It's the same with my, you know, I'm trying to do my coach. You know that I don't just go to a club and just be sat there and sit still. I don't know what the fun is in that. You're there to try to bet yourself. You're there to improve. Um, you know, I want us to know where we're trying to get to, and then have the challenges get of actually implementing the plan. So who were the club was was uh, behind the plan? Because I mean, Kelvin was um, Kelvin was the benefactor also, yeah, and, and helping with the financial side. So but who was Peter, the, who was the... Peter Thomas there? Peter Thomas was the main the main one who did all the negotiating. Uh, Martin Jones was there coaching at the time. Uh, Codders Carter, came in for for a season, I believe, uh, with us. Uh, then he disappeared. So yeah, that, that was that was that was the that was the first crew I dealt with really. Then after that, we had the Neil Hollingshead saga, didn't we? Which is yeah. um, bonkers. So, you know, I mean, for, for those who who don't weren't around at that time, how could you, how would you describe that sort of that sort of era really? Of uh, probably a four to six months period when he was taking over the club, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it, it was obviously a lot of excitement when he first came on the board because uh, he was he, he was saying he was going to get everyone this, everything that, and you know, it looked like the club again had found somebody to help push him on again. Um, it, obviously, in the end, it came to came came to think that he was a complete con artist. But again, to be fair, Kelvin Kelvin then made sure the club didn't uh, didn't just fall away. He looked after us, and uh, you know the club it made us even tight as a group. I remember we went on a um, what was it on an army camp down down to Plymouth uh, in one of the barracks down there. We were down there for a week, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And uh, we 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 did, it was it was coming to the end of the week on the Friday, and that was when we were finding out if we were getting chucked out or if there was money money in the accounts to keep the club going. And we'd all booked to go to Marbella on that weekend anyway. So we were going no matter what, with a job or without it. So uh, we had a good time and we found out we had a job. But the week was hell, to be honest. Um, yes, well, he's now in jail, isn't he? So I uh, was sent to jail for seven years for, for his yeah, uh, the la- dealings or fraud. The last uh, contact I had with him, I had a photo sent to me with him, with him in a wig, which was quite funny. <laughs> But he was he was promising like all sorts of like Apple deals, sponsorships, and all yeah, sorts of things. Cars, and... everything, everything. Yeah, he was, yeah he, he, you know, I think it's, it's a bit sad, really, how, how he even got to the position the way he did to put the club in that position. Uh, he should never have come to that. Do you think the RFU would have been better at that? 
Oh, definitely. I think they'll learn lessons from from that. I'm, I'm sure to say so. Yeah. And also, as you were um, talking about roller coasters, when when we were in the championship and when the RFU told us we weren't eligible for promotion, the the day we were playing Pirates in the playoff final. Yeah, they did. They did. They're, they're nice. They're, they've always had a soft spot for London West. So I've found um, <laughs> they've, they've, they've never done a bad bad thing to us. But uh, no, they, they, look, it came up on Sky Sports News that that, that was the ruling and. You know, it was quite easy. The team talk was sorted for the night, and we didn't need uh, any extra motivation to stick two fingers up. So, uh, and to be fair, it was a pretty special performance down there because Pirates were loaded with good players and Dave Ward, Kevin Cattell, uh, just to name a couple. There, there a lot of them down. Matt Hopper, I think, in the centre. So, you know, to go down there and do a, do a demolition job, no, really, because it was the final was done at that point. It didn't need, the second leg was just a procession in the end. You know, we obviously didn't we didn't allow that to come into our heads, but. To go away from home and put performance on like that was pretty special. No, definitely. And uh, I suppose uh, whilst you won the second leg as well, the um, uh, you know you weren't eligible for promotion until June the twenty eighth, really, were you? So uh, when they were give, when uh, the course decided that um, London Wales could be promoted and play in Oxford. Yeah, after bleeding and sorting them out. Yeah, that was it. Uh, no, we just we, we were out in Ibiza. We just got back, and I remember uh, remember getting the news, and uh, people wanted to talk to me. I didn't have a voice, so <laughs> I done a bit of partying at that point. It was, I think it was Mackie Stag we'd gone away for, so uh, it was uh, it was good fun. But no, it was, you know, it was brilliant to get 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 not get one over them, but I mean to to get what we deserved because we did deserve the crack, the, the chance to go up and have a crack at those big boys, which we we had a good year next season. No, hundred percent, you did. So, so, in terms of the, some of the coaches you played under at Welsh, you, was it? Did you play with under Danny Wilson? People like yeah, Mike so Friday, with, Phil Greening. Uh, yeah, so Martin Jones was the first person I dealt with, uh, and then Alex Codling came in to assist Martin. Uh, Martin uh, Cod, Cod has left, and then uh, Danny joined the club. Then Martin left. Danny, Danny stayed. Uh, I can't remember who did the backs at that point, to be honest. But then. Danny ended up moving to the Dragons, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and that's when we had uh, Phyllis and Mike Friday. Or was it the other way around? Did Lynn come in after? I can't remember. Which way? Yeah, they were after, I think Lynn was after those two, yes. But, yeah, Lynn was after. Justin, but Justin Bunnell was after Lynn, wasn't he? Yeah, but I can't remember which way Mike and... Mike and no, I think, I think that was it. I think Danny was there. Danny was there with Phyllis, Phil Greener for a while. And then when Daniel went back to the Dragons, Phyllis took over and Mike came in to give a hand as well. So yeah, I've had a, and then obviously Lynn was the last the last one I had dealings with at Welsh. And some of them have gone to do really well, haven't they? You know, international coaches or Glasgow Warriors, you know, what Danny is now. So they've, they've done well from their experience in time at London Welsh, haven't they? Yeah, I've, I've had good coaches there, to be honest. I think, you know, Phyllis and uh, Mike Friday, they, they, you know, they, they're games of sevens, isn't it? They, they're, great, they're great sevens coaches. They, they know what they're doing there. But they also try to play a brand of rugby in 15, but in keeping with sevens, you know, a bit more of a loose game, keep the ball in play. And that's when we were. That's when I was at my fitness. Was when we did that army camp between him, da- him and Danny. They really put us in the ring of that, that preseason. It was the hardest thing I'd done. Um, and then um, you know, Danny, Danny, Danny was just starting out when he first when he first came down to Welsh. But uh, I think it was a steep learning curve for him. But I think where he where he was at at the end of where where he was from the beginning was chalk and cheese. And he became you know you can see he's kicked on to do great things with Cardiff Blues. And he's a he's a, he's a man who's wanted. To coach, you know, Wasps wanted him, then he had to get the Scotland gig, and I was going to Glasgow, so he's obviously doing well for himself. 
No, it's great. So it's been eight years, though, hasn't it, since that playoff triumph with Chorus Pirates? And it's, you know, recently we've seen some of those images on social media from Chris Jenkins. You know, um, what, what were your memories of that two-leg final then? All of them said, mate, the, the way the way you went was uh, was a real tough battle. To be honest, uh, we went down there after that news of uh, of that, that we were going to we weren't going to be getting promoted no matter if we won if we won it. So it really took care of our motivation for that game. But uh, that performance down there was pretty special to put a good. I can't remember what the final score was, but I think going into that final that leg at home, we, we knew it was done. Uh, we, had, we had to be professional about it and get on with our jobs and make sure we were focused not to let them back in but there was, I don't think there was any chance you know, I think the better side I think it was quite a psychological win down there as well to beat them as well as we did really really put the put the full stop on what was happening in this final Well you might not remember the score but do you remember the celebrations because they went on for quite a while didn't they after the second leg after the second leg yeah it was, I think it was sunlight by the time we uh, by the time we finished and we carried on that day it was good fun the uh, the trophy was never the same we don't believe um, but what we, so once you found out we were going to go to be in the premiership um, we had signed London Wales signed quite a lot of players late on in, in during the pre-season period so what were your memories of, of that summer because the preparation time would have been quite limited wouldn't it really because we weren't really promoted until the end of June as you said yeah do you know what? It, 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 is, it was what it, it is what it was if you know what I mean we didn't we did, we we didn't have any other option to go with that and uh, at the same time it was, it, it was still it was the same as what was going to happen if we'd be playing championship we were going to be training the same place uh, exactly the same set that was going to be there which had a few different players come in so you know it, it was quite funny when you'd go to these away grounds and uh, to see the facilities they were having right? and it actually if anything it just made us laugh and actually show that we were a really good side we didn't need any of that any of that stuff to fluff us up. We just got on with the job. We knew what we could do and we were a good team unit and we stuck together. Now, I mean, as, you know, from my perspective, it was a brilliant season. Well, I managed to get to 18 of the 22 games oh, nice. in the Premiership. I don't know how I did that with Which young boys missed. and then playing minis on a Sunday, but um, it was brilliant. But I, fe- I felt it... Um, it sort of season hints on a few sort of small turning points. You know, there's just narrow defeats and things like that. So it was Hudson's injury, wasn't it, in the one of the first first couple of games? If Hudson Tonga we had stayed fit that season, we'd want, we'd stayed up in that league hundred percent. He was, uh, you know, we had, we had good players in behind him, but Hudson was. I remember the first few games he played. He was a different level. He was, you know, he was. Uh, he really stepped up to the mark and was showing showing the backline how to go and. Uh, I, I, I firmly believe if he'd stayed fit and not got that injury, we would have stayed up that year. Um, and what happened to him afterwards? Because he, he was injured all season, wasn't he? And did he just disappear, go back to Tonga? Or I think, I think the last I heard, he's the king of Tonga, I've been told. <laughs> Vinny's, st- Vinny's still over here, so he's let Hudson's allowed to go home and he's now the king of Tonga. I think he's got a big uh, big um, hotel company selling fruit or something back there, making loads of money, so good on him. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give you some more turning points now, right? So, Saracens at home, the final whistle went when they should have reset scrum, a scrum. The scrum, what are you talking about? <laughs> hey. Yeah, that scrum. Yeah, when uh, when you when you can bring, you can pull the final whistle when it's a reset scrum. Yeah, never. I think it was Luke, Luke Pierce, wasn't it? If I remember, you know it's Luke Pierce. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think it's one of his first or second game in the Premiership. I think at the time. Well, luckily it didn't hinder him because he, he's gone on to be a good ref. To be fair to him, I think uh, I think Jacko got into him the other day on social media about him stitching us up. If I remember. Um, look, it is what it was. It, it, it was just frustrating because we were actually on top of them at that scrum. And I think if if they hadn't if he hadn't blown the whistle, we would have scored. So again, that was quite a big. I think that was after we we were on a bit of a run at that point as well. So it was a bit frustrating. 
to not have been able to get another one over the line because I think you know as I said small margins and everything but you know one more win year there and we would have been been there. No, I agree. I mean, there's, there's like that game of you know Sale at home. We lost by I think a point or two. Then there was Gloucester away. We lost by a point. Saints away. I think we were so so much more competitive than people expected, didn't they? And that's that's the key thing. And you said you know earlier in the, our conversation, you know people have better facilities, but I think the togetherness of London Wells seemed to uh, motivate you. Yeah, I think you know we're a group there that, uh, that wanted to prove a point for different reasons as individuals and as a team. Um, we didn't the right to go up there and we didn't want to go up there and be the whipping boys and then the RFU would be like, yeah, we, should, we shouldn't have let them up. You know, this, we knew this was going to happen or anything like that. And, you know, we had points to prove. I, I personally had a point to prove that I was good enough at that level. I'm sure a lot of the other boys had exactly the same point. They wanted to show how good they were. And you could see how many boys that ended up kicking on to a bit good premiership careers that's left London Welsh to show the quality that was there. You know, with, with Briggsy, with Frank Montanella played for France, you know, Jacko, myself, uh, Al Davis. There's a lot of quality in that side that we had. And uh, Scotty, there's, there's loads of them. You can, keep, you can keep naming them. We had a lot of quality in that side to kick on. No. So, yeah, we, we loved, you know, we were a really tight group, which was great. And the boys that came in, they really bought into it that year. No, I agree with you because one of the things, um, you know, even now you look at for former London Welsh players, you know, in the Premiership teams, and there's still quite a few of them around. Yeah, you know, and so, you know, that's you know, I'm always on the lookout when where they're playing or if they're still in the Championship. But I think for me, I think one of the key turning points of that season was um, obviously the docking of five points. Yeah, um, that didn't you know, help. for poor paperwork, shall we say? Um, and I think did, didn't the club find that out or something on some European um, adventure when you were. Playing European Challenge Cup or something? Yeah, I don't really know the whole ins and outs of it. All I've heard is obviously Mike Mike forged forged a thing to say that Tyson Keats was born in Canterbury, England, rather than Canterbury, New Zealand. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how he gets to that point. Again, it's pretty it's pretty obvious he's a Kiwi and he, he was born there. He's quite loud about <laughs> it, wasn't he? Um, yeah. So it, it is what it is. What it, it didn't help. You know, I think if we'd kept those points, it could, you know, it could have put a lot more pressure on the opposition ahead of us that started to get ahead of us. Uh, but it is what it is. It's done now. It's walking under the bridge. It's frustrating at the time. Um, but we, again, we got on with it and we just cracked on week in, week out. We didn't really let our heads drop. We, we kept believing that we could turn it around and we stuck together all the way through. No, I agree. So I think one of my abiding memories is after the last match in the Prem, there were some drinks at ODP and there were quite a few rumours at the time of your departure to another club. But our chairman, Gledding, quite clearly stated you were not for sale. Yeah. Obviously, it was a tough decision for you to leave the club to go to Sale, but ultimately one that worked very well for you. Yeah, to be fair, uh, Gareth, it was the hardest decision I had to make during my career because you know it's the same now. London Welsh is my club, as far as I see it. That's the club that, uh, that did a lot for me and where I did a lot of living growing up with my wife, now Cassie, and we loved our times and we made friends for life. Not that I haven't made them elsewhere, but I think you know we've got so, so, so many good memories of London Welsh and. Uh, it was really hard to make that decision to go to sale, but I think if if I'd been four or five years younger, maybe I would have stuck around and had another crack at it because I, I had time. But I think it was twenty seven at the time. There was no guarantee that we would have gone back up. Like you know, the great boys were great; they did get back up straight away. But there was no guarantees, and I'd I'd guarantee to keep playing Premiership rugby for the next two years as a minimum. So I couldn't say no to it after after I'd got a taste of it. I knew I wanted more of it, and I knew I could I could show how good I was at that level. Oh, definitely, and you played quite a lot of games for sale, but it must have been quite a help 
for having because it sailed to quite a few London Welsh players, didn't they? To uh, yeah, to, I think four to, of us went. It was with... me, Kirill, uh, Phil McKenzie, the Dragon, and uh, Tom Ascot. The four That's of us right, went, yeah. which did help because Tom Tom had agreed his his his, uh, his deal a lot earlier than I decided to go up there. And to be fair, the place that we ended up moving in that first year, I never got a chance to see. I just Tom was already up there. I got him to go have a look, and uh, I just trusted his trusted his uh, judgment. We went with it. And you know, Briggs, you only had one season at London Welsh, but boy, did he make an impression! <laughs> well, you know, Briggs, great Briggs, character, exactly. And but what Briggs he did, he, he 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 was very much the mould of the team of what we we had there. He played with his heart and his sleeve. He rolled his sleeves up when it was when it was tough, and just got on with it. Which, and he he also was quite a good translator between uh, Frank Molinella and uh, Arthur Jolie because they came over. They didn't really speak any English, so they didn't choose to use much English. And uh, Briggsy, Briggsy knew how to turn them on and get them up for games, which was great. They're the two French props who like the fag, fag at half-time or post-match, uh, isn't it? Fag whenever yeah. they could, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, Lynn would always catch him by the bike shed out the back by the toilets. I'm a fag during the day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's different culture over there. They, they do what they want. Uh, they, they, have, they have wine for their lunchtime and everything. They're deep on training days. But... Uh, <laughs> No, they were good guys again, funny guys, and uh, they came in, made an impact. They bought in, they kind of acted, they didn't have much choice. But it's interesting because you've been coached by Lynn Jones, then you went to be coached by Steve Diamond for, for four years. Both you know, interesting characters and very different, I'm sure. So how different are, are they both, really, and, and the methods they use to, to coach the teams? Uh, how are they different? I'd say, say Lynn, Lynn's the better rugby coach in the sense of pure knowledge and understanding of what he's trying to do. I'd say, you know, some of the things that Lynn's come out with is it really opened my eyes up as a player to how, how such a small thing can have such an impact on a game. Uh, and then Steve, to be fair, he's really much a motivator. Uh, he, 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 you do your job and he'll, he'll praise you. If you don't do your job, he'll let you know, which uh, which is fine by me. You know, let, let me know if I'm doing it right. Let me know if I'm doing it wrong. At least I know where I'm at. But you, had, so you had four years at sale. You had... You know, um... Some great memories because it seems like you were quite a fan's favourite there as well, like you were at Welsh. So, what do you think of the sort of key differences you had in your experiences at both clubs? I, 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 differences. It's just different stages of life as much as anything, Gareth. We, we went up there, uh, me and Cassie, just ourselves, and then we ended up coming, leaving there at the end with with two kids. So, uh, <laughs> it definitely, definitely changed changed my life, and it was just a different stage of a life, but. You know, I, I can't really knock either club. It, it, I was at different stages. It was great to be in London when when it was just me and Cassie, and then to be up in Manchester when uh, when the two girls came along it was brilliant as well because we we loved living in Altrincham and Hale, and uh, it was a good bunch of boys there as well. It's a fair, fairly strong Welsh contingent. Contingent when I went up there with Nick McLeod, Dwayne Peel, uh, Mark Jones, just to name a few. Um, so, uh, Ivan, Lewin, Rock, Ivan Lewis Roberts so there's a load of Welshies there anyway so it felt like home to be honest now, Cool, then from, from there you went to sign as a player coach for London Scottish, is that right? Yeah, so I signed the deal that summer because I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do but I knew I wanted to get the coaching eventually and um, so I was first. the first thing I signed was with Dallas Griffins to go out there for the first season of the MLR and uh, with the Dallas Griffins, with Mike Ford heading up the coach, and I was a little bit of player coaching up there. Uh, and then on top of that, obviously, I wasn't going up there till January, because that's when the season would start, a bit of pre-season before, but that's when Dan George, who was obviously at Welsh, he was, he'd just taken the forwards coach job at London Scottish. So 
he got in touch with me because I was I almost signed for um, filed up in mm-hmm. uh, a, a black Blackpool because I was still living up in Manchester and obviously there was still links with the club so we almost did that but then then the Scottish came calling and we'd already made the plan to move from Manchester to Bristol because I was going to go out to Dallas on my own initially and we were coming down to Bristol because Cassie was giving birth uh, in November with Etta so we wanted I was going to go in December November so I was going to leave pretty early we went to that family network around here and they were going to come out maybe six to eight weeks later after we'd set up. Um, so London, Scottish, London was then a better route for me from there than trying to get up to Fylde or wherever. So, yeah, that's how I ended up going to Scottish and from there uh, we are now. And so, as, you know, what, so what happened to the Dallas thing? Did that just, did that just fold as a, an no, idea? So, they, or... so they're, still, they're, still, they're still trying to set up now. Um, I've been in contact with them now and again, but at the same time, until it's, until it's firmly uh, nailed on, then it's not really an option. I, I see it as now, but uh, they, 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 they put in, they, they're actually, they've got, they put some money behind into the league. So they are actually like founder members, but they haven't actually joined the league yet. So I think there's talk of them maybe joining this year. I think the major issue is the stadium. So they were trying to they're trying to build their own, I believe. Uh, but then I don't know there's a few things, a few red tape pick picking up and all that. So I think this next year they've just decided to bite the bullet and try to get uh, a shared 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 uh, ground somewhere. It's the next superpower in rugby, though, isn't it? USA with the amount of uh, sort of natural talent and athleticism they've got over there, isn't it? So it'd be to see how that how that takes off for them. But so, see, you went from Scottish, and you're now at head as you head coach and forwards coach at Austin Park. So I went there as forwards coach, and then uh, this past this past season, this season gone? Yeah, this season gone. I've been head coach. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. And ha- um, and this season, obviously pre-COVID, Austin Park were doing quite well, weren't they? Yeah, we uh, we we I think over Christmas we were top of the league and um, you know we were really kicking on. We, we had a couple of losses to Plymouth and Blackheath, which hurt us quite a bit. And Rich, to be fair, Richmond they really I think they went on some they won fifteen games on the bounce from that point. Uh, but the, the game before us, uh, the game before us, the the COVID kicking in, we beat Richmond and our gaff, put another uh, really good performance in. So. They've gone up. We did a double over them, so we're the kings of West London between us and them at the moment. And and you know, as you know, the RFU have um, decided below the championship how people get promoted and relegated. You know, obviously, London Welsh have benefited from that. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel? You know, Rossin Park. How do Rossin Park feel about that sort of decision, really, for themselves? We're, frust- we're obviously frustrated because we felt after last time we beat Richmond earlier on in the season, they ended up losing three games on the bounce. I think we're only we're only seven behind. They had a couple of tough places to go, so they only had to lose one more and let's pick up a few bonus points and we could have caught them potentially. Um, but look, you know, you can't knock Richmond. It was, I, I'd say I saw them with the best side in the league that year. But then the frustration for us was uh, we were second going into the, the COVID-19 and then when the RFU got the calculators out, we ended up dropping a third, which was a bit frustrating, to be honest. Uh, I think Rams went ahead of us, even though they still had to come to our place uh we think we'd lost there once all season, so it's a bit of frustration in that sense. But ultimately, second or third isn't first, so it doesn't really matter. And, and as as a, 
park? Do they do they want to be? Are they an ambitious club? Are they do they want to go to the championship? Is that where they see themselves long term? Yeah, I, th- I think I, I very much down the line, as I said earlier, that uh, I'd wa- I want to be a club that's ambitious. We've got Dom Shabu, who's obviously at the Welsh. He's, he's chief, he's uh, managing director there. So, and Kieran Powers is D- DOR, who's been in the championship with Elin. So, you know, I, I think for me, the championship when I was playing with London Welsh in it, to where the championship now is, is different gravy. It's a completely different league. The quality isn't as strong as it was. You've still got your top end. Well, the boys were paying their money of your Elins, the side that comes down from the Premiership, Coventry, uh, and a few others that way, Pirates maybe, but everything else below that, after my time is Scottish, you know, there's, boy, there's people who are full-time sides, but they're playing at being full-time, they're just full-time in name. They're paying, people, they're paying pittance out to some of the younger lads, and uh, whereas you look at the quality in the Championship, as I said, in that playoff final, you had Dave Ward, you had Gavin Cattell, you had the amount of players who would end up kicking on and having really good Premiership players, Premiership careers during that period. It's crazy. And I think the Premiership actually seen it for what it was then. Whereas now, as the funding's gone down, uh, probably because they were spending money they didn't have, <laughs> to be honest. If the money, if they could have kept the money there, it'd still be a great conveyor belt. For the amount of players that played that Championship level, it was a real good level, which... Uh, Play, you know, you had to earn your stripes up. Definitely, I think half the England squad have had, um, you know, been on loan to championship clubs. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, I, I, I love that division. I love watching the Welsh playing it. I've, I've been to watch the other, other local teams playing it. But I think, you know, maybe the RFU now because because of, of the COVID outbreak, we'll look at now how they might restructure uh, the leagues and 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 what and, you know what are your thoughts on that, really, John? Well, as I say, it depends which way they want to take it. Obviously, the money's going to be tight now, so I can't see how they're going to put any more money into the Championship. For me, before they put these cuts, the Championship have had more money, not less money, because then it becomes a viable league to actually get some quality in there. You know, we had when, I, when we were there in the Championship, uh, we had people like Gordon Ross dropping in the sides. You know, Ross, Ross had been played 30 games for Scotland. I know it's only Scotland, but it's Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it, it, just to have his, someone like his experience to drop in for boys to learn off, to see his work ethic, to just pick his brains. Nathan Bonner Evans, you know those type of players who played played a high level of rugby for a long time. To be there's not none of that's happening now. You're not you're not having those players finishing their careers in the Premiership drop down because the money's not there. There's no point putting your body through another full time season. 20, 30k it's just like what, what are you doing it for you, you come through the end of your career you might as well start the transition and that's where we're at with, with Roslyn Park is that there's no point in us ever becoming a full time entity because that means a lot of money trying to get people to South West London it means the club changing the model that it's got already and then if it didn't stay up then you've got these players on full time you've got to change it or rip it up all over again because the fund is not in that one either so for me, if the money was there, I'd, I'd put it into the championship because I think that's how that league was so good when we were, when I was playing in it. We had so many players that kicked down, not just from Welsh but from the whole league. Uh, but what it's doing now, it's not the same. It's not the same product, to be honest. So it's naturally starting to become more of a semi-professional league, and you know I think they are if you know what they're doing by dropping the funding. No, I agree with that, really. Um, and are you, are you still playing for Park, by the way? Are you, are you just coaching at the moment? I only played the three last year. We didn't lose a game. We were 100% in the three, so you know, <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, 
But no, I, I still love playing. I just don't like the training stuff. So uh, the less has changed. No, but the less training I can do, the better in that sense. So okay. no, I still, still love playing again. I played a couple of games with the seconds, for the Rangers side there, and just have a little run around, a bit of fun. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a good setup and a good club, and uh, you know it's very much reminds me very much of London Welsh, which is great. That's good. And, and who was the last match you played for? Do you remember that? What this past season? Yeah, what was the last game you played? It was Cinderford away, I think. It no, it wasn't. It was after that. Remember, uh, you played. Um, you oh, no, sorry. You do you mean? Do you mean? Which one are you on about? You on about the one uh, with Kay and them? Yeah, that's your yeah, last yeah. game, isn't it? Surely. Well, yeah, it might, it might be the last one on the hallowed turf. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you explain to? So, uh, I'll say, John, John, and Mike Powell turn out for London World Select 15 against Cardiff Headway Select 15 on the day of the um, England Wales match, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they stitched us up a bit in our third quarter. Yes, um, our um, our vets were, were a lot older than their vets, shall we say, yeah? Well, they knew the crack, didn't they? They, they loaded that third quarter because they knew they weren't going to win any other way, didn't they? I must admit, from, from myself, from my perspective, from having watched you and Mike Powell on the sidelines, to then be the man in the middle for that match, it was, it was quite an honour for me to uh, to officiate with the you two boys playing um, while I was on the pitch. So I, I certainly enjoyed it. If, but you're right, the, the third quarter, I probably could have got my yellow card out a bit more for the Cardiff team. Oh well, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't worry about that. It was more—it was more the fact that some fast bloke on the wing was no. much quicker than everyone else. And that was the bigger issue. It, and he kicked it from everywhere, didn't he? he yeah, 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 try. yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know the issue was me and Paulie went on it. We'd got all of them, I think, if that was the case. <laughs> um, so outside of rugby, so how do you relax? You know, with your family and things. What 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 keeps you? You know, you know what are you interested in? Um, what am I interested in? Uh, to be fair, the family keep me pretty busy. To be honest. Uh, with, with the fact I'm going up to London Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, I'm away. Uh, and then you, you're working in the... Because the, what I'm doing on Monday... Cast works on a Monday and Friday. So Monday and Friday, very much a stay-at-home stay at dad. I've got Etta with me constantly and uh, picking Daisy up from school. Uh, Wednesdays, we get a good bit of family time, just me, Cassie and Etta, when Daisy comes home from school. But, you know, just seeing the family, mate, and everything, nothing, nothing, nothing revolutionary. I do my work on the laptop, which I can when I get the five minutes and uh, just chill out with the missus in the evening. It's a busy life, isn't it, with young children and, you know, and working and stuff and trying to... Um, You're just you know, juggling, aren't you? You're juggling, <laughs> just trying to, trying to fit a, a gin in there somewhere as well and a few beers, <laughs> or beers and wine, you know. But uh, no, like we've got a good network around where we are, but it's great to be in Bristol. I've got, you know, it's a two-hour drive up to, um, to, um, up to Roslyn Park. My folks are an hour away. We've got Cassie's folks down the road and all her family are local. So it's, it's great to have that network, especially with uh, the two small ones. And their two cousins live down the road, which is great. So they get to spend a lot of time together, which is brilliant. And it's great to see you're so in touch with your London Welsh family and connections as well, because at that Wales-England game, we I think you know after after we played the match, and there was Ed Jackson, Ollie Barkley, Paul Mackey, um, I'm sure there are others there I've, I've forgotten about, but you, you know you're still in touch with many of the players you've played with, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I think, like as I said, mate, I, I think it won't be just me that says it. London Welsh is my club, and I'm sure Mackie will say the same. I'm sure Ed will say the same. A lot of the boys who uh, who joined that club know how special it was, was as a group and as a club is. Uh, you know, you, you you go there, you rock up, you crack on, you go upstairs to the change room, play the game. Hope nothing's been nicked when you get in there. Uh, Come back to home and have a few jars in the, in the, in the in the clubhouse, which is great. And you know, it's it's such a throwback when it, you know you'd go in there, 
because it's quite it was quite an old old crew as as supporters were, but you know it was great fun in there. They they, they knew their rugby. I was great to chew the fat with them. No, I, I agree completely with you. So I just want to end this pod now with a, some quick fire questions for you. So if you just give us like the first answer you can think of, anyway. So oh, well, um, will that be clean or? It... You can do what you want. It's, right, it's okay. 18 surf, this is. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, who's the best player you played with? Bet what? At Welsh or everywhere? An- anywhere in your career. Uh, well, the first one that really made me stand up to say this is the standard you've got You've got to uh, got to hit it was Scott, Scott Quinnell. He, he had such such an impact on that scarlet side. He was coming to the end of his career, but he could still turn it on when he wanted it, and he, uh, he demanded everything from everyone as well. No, quality, that's a great name. Best player played against? Best player played against. Probably the, the toughest one I played against because he was so big was, I think it was that, um, do you remember the Macca brothers that was playing for Toulouse? One of them was number eight and one was a seven. One of them was like 140 kgs and he could run about, run, run the 112 seconds or something stupid. So <laughs> trying to stop him was not fun. So as a destructive player and how, how, how much of an impact he could have in a game, I'd say him. Okay, and who was your sporting hero when you grew up? Eric Cantona. Eric Cantona, okay. Collar up. <laughs> uh, Favourite ground you played on? Favourite ground? Oh, I'd have to say the hallowed turf of ODP. Hey, hey it's, it's, it's a magic place, magic place indeed. The best nickname you've heard, doesn't have to be yours. I, I do like the welly for Alex Davis. For when he first joined the club, his, his shape, he was such a melted welly. Uh, we, we, we had a team social, we ended up buying a, a, a welly and melting it down and that was his drinking vessel for the evening. So he wasn't he too happy with that. He doesn't really come across as a big drinker, but um, I could be wrong. I thought to be fair, he can drink. He's just got he's got he's you gotta you gotta target him with certain ones. He likes he likes a tip as well now and again, so you just gotta be careful, you've got to stay oh. on top of Al. He shirks it, you mean, yeah? Yeah, you just gotta be careful. <laughs> if if his um if there's a plant pot nearby it, it looks very it doesn't look any thirstier afterwards, if you know what I mean. <laughs> We're getting him on on this pod in a few weeks' time, hopefully. So, oh, good luck. Good um, it'd be good to ask him on that. Um, and best coach you work with? I'd say Lynn. Lynn for me, as I said, there was things earlier where um, he'd say so. He'd get the best out of you because he turn he he'd get you he'd turned on in the head. He'd get you thinking and everything. It wasn't just about going up there and hitting. He'd keep keep you on your toes. And some of the things he came back came out with and broke the game down so simply. And then you look at it, and something that was so simple has such an impact on the game that you wouldn't even know unless somebody put put the finger to it. So it's quite it's quite interesting. And you know, I think with with Lynn, I've tried to take a bit from Lynn and the other coaches who influenced me. That's why I've tried to go down that route. No, that's fair enough. And your, your favourite try of yours? My favourite. personally, but yeah, there weren't that many, and I can't remember them. Uh, well, some important ones, weren't they? Probably. Well, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I did enjoy the one uh, when we played Sail Away, which was quite funny to score up there. Uh, when we went up there and got a win, win up there early on in the season in the first Premiership, that was one of my favourite tries. Or not me scoring it was Nick Scott getting his interception against Bath oh. because that, oh. which was quite important at the time. The whole of that stand on their feet, weren't they? Yeah, well, half that stand was open. It was only half. It was number full, was it? But it felt full when he caught that ball. Exactly. It was Stephen Donald, wasn't it? Passed it to him. Yeah, it was great pass to be fair. Um, Scotty, (laughs) Scotty, the best defensive winger in the in the game, loves an intercept. (laughs) But uh, he had the gas to make. I think the the tight dead prop was catching him, but he got there in the end. (laughs) 
I remember listening to your try um, on BBC Radio Manchester because it was a Friday night game at Sale, wasn't it? Um, yes, yes, it was. And we, we followed up the win against Exeter at home yeah, with that was, win away, which gives us a great kickstart to that season. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny. Uh, obviously, after moving there later on, I realised how bad the traffic was to get in. So my folks, my folks missed the first twenty minutes. I ended up going off half time with a dead leg. So they, they drove all the way to Manchester to watch twenty minutes. And they didn't even see me score the try. Oh. Well, you can you can t- you say you, you can say was you were thirty yards out and you threw a dummy and ran it in. Can you see? I told them fourteen. I was just too late. <laughs> so what's the best game you played in and why? I, I, there's a couple probably. Like one 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 of the craziest games I played in was when I was playing just before I think I joined London Welsh. I was uh, down Clandavery. And uh, we, we were playing in the cup final against Cardiff. And we'd been winning the game for the majority of it. And then Cardiff scored two late drop goals. And uh, last play of the game, they kicked it out. But our guy took the quick quick line up of 50 metres out. And we ended up uh, scoring a try in the far corner and winning the cup that way. So, like, last play, 89 minutes on the clock or something stupid. So, there was no <laughs> stopping the clock. But my, it's probably my, my favourite London Welsh game. Uh, like, is it? Total performance was probably that one away to Pirates in that final because, as like I said, the, the amount of stuff that I got chucked at us with with that, but that, that group and those players, they, they'd been through so much, like you said, with the Hollands Head saga and so on. It was just like, all right, no issue, we'll just crack on. There's no difference to us. We just keep doing what we're doing. And uh, to go down there and put, I think, it was, I think we put 40 on them almost in the end, I believe. I think it's 41 something. Yeah, I think it was second half down that hill, we just blitzed them. And we blitzed within 10, 15 minutes. The game was gone. The, the final was gone. We just, I think they kicked off at one point. We scored off that kickoff. So I, I think they were just in shell shock. So as a total performance and what, what it actually did for the rest of that final, it really took all pressure off us. And uh, it was pretty special with all the stuff that had been chucked at us in that day. It's a shame in the current lockdown that Sky Sports haven't you know seen the light and replayed that, that, that leg, really, isn't it, really? Well, just play any in the Welsh, can we good? I'm show the kids, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and who, who's your favourite current player? Ooh, in rugby full stop? Yeah. Favourite rugby player? I'm not, to be fair, guy, I'm not massively into it, like, watching it. Like, I obviously watch it with my rugby head on, but I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not, like, a fanboy anymore. Um, what, what, what would I say? I'm trying to think now off the top of my head, mate. Uh, come back. If you haven't got one, it doesn't. It doesn't, uh, doesn't matter. I, if you know, got no, one. I, I want to say I've got. I wouldn't say I've got a favourite rugby player. Uh, there's obviously some some players out there who say, "Wow, they can do some special stuff." Like Danny Sips, like he gets a lot of heat, but he can play some good rugby when he's when he's on his game. And uh, you see you see those boys and what they can do with the ball. It's amazing. So those type of type of boys are brilliant. Okay, that's fair enough. And, and if there's one thing you might change about rugby, what would that be? What would I change about rugby? I'd pay coaches more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no like, listen, rugby's pretty good in what it is. I think we've, we've got to remember that we, we don't want to change it too much. It, it, it's, it's a pretty good entity of what it is. Uh, I enjoy it. I know they're not trying to change the league to match everyone up, but I'm, I'm a bit of a purist. I quite like that. The, the game is played in the wet weather as much as it is on the dry. It gets people in from every shape and size. I think, you know, we've got a pretty good game. We should remember that, not try to change it too much. Yeah, I agree with you. I think at the elite level, um, it's 
probably too many substitutions and you might need to make the game a bit more aerobic, I think. That, that's yeah, just my personal point. opinion. It's, it's, a, it's an odd one, because obviously, uh, well, how many is London Welsh get? Oh, three, three on the bench, is it? We get three subs were allowed, yeah. Yeah, we get five in that one, so, but then we get ten rotations. So there's, there's, there's options. But then, again, it, it's a tough one with that because you've, you've only got so many slots on the bench. So it's the way I look at it then, is player welfare great if people are having to play extra minutes and uh, if they're injured, people are already staying on? You know, there's little things like that which you've got to look at as well. Because even though they're trying to manage people, like in that one, 30 games, you get 20 players on the pitch. If you've made your five subs, boys, unless unless they can go back on, boys are playing high minutes. So welfare-wise, it's, it's not great. Whereas if you've got a bigger bench, you can manage minutes and also you can probably take a few youngsters on the boot bench then as well to actually allow them even if you don't use them but you've got the slot there to allow a bit of rotation or a bit of uh, development in it yeah I, I, I agree with what you're saying I just think sometimes though you you see five subs coming on after 55 minutes it just stops the flow of the game as well a lot of second yeah. halves are just a bit you know they have a sub fest aren't they yeah, or maybe maybe you, maybe you have you, you can have the same amount of subs, but you only have six 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 substitutions max or something. I don't know. You know, I think by having with the coach's hat on, there's, there's times when we, we've won the game by half time, and I'd love to have had the opportunity to put a couple of youngsters on there. So maybe you could have it so that you have you have to have two players under twenty on your bench or something, and then you've got yeah, the option yeah. you've got the option of using them if if you want to. You know, there's, there's ways around it where it, it gives you a bit of flexibility to be able to. Blood youngsters and given that experience, you know you don't want to chuck them in. It's times which you think you can chuck them in, and things you can't. But it's, if you can put them in with no pressure on them, it's, it, you can just let them flourish a bit more. Then I think. No, I think I think yeah, you, you've hit a few things there. But I think if we refine that a little bit, I think we, we've got something there. We'll, we'll should go to the RFU and present it, Millsy. What do you reckon? Well, what, with the prawn sandwiches as well. Or... <laughs> Look, look, I've taken a lot of your time already. Look, if you had to summarise your connection and time at London Welsh in a few sentences, I know you've spoken a lot about it and it's your club. You know, how would you do that in a few sentences? Uh, look, I, I own London Welsh a lot. I, I know the club The club is obviously going strength to strength again, but it did have a little lull when, when everything went wrong. But, you know, as I said, it's not just me. There's other boys like Ed Jackson and all those boys who I've played with there. Who wouldn't have had the career if London Welsh wasn't there? And, you know, I, I could have not ended up getting a club, and I, I, I've got to be able to have the rugby career that I got just by doing that. And the people who were there are brilliant, and you know, there's no egos there, which was the best part of it. And I think that showed in the clubhouse. We'd all mix, we'd all have fun, and you know, it's, it's a proper rugby club who uh, I've got a lot, lot of time for, and I did a lot of, I've had a lot of good nights there, a lot of good bit of fun. So uh, I'll keep doing that when I get the opportunity. And you're always welcome, you know that. So, Millsy, you are a London Welsh legend. Thank you, I do hope you'll always keep that connection with the club. Thank you for your time on this pod. No worries, mate. Have a good luck. What a top bloke John Mills is. He quite clearly indebted to London Welsh for his rugby career and sees them as his club. He has loads of mates from his time here, and as he forges his coaching career, he can draw on the experiences of having played under some of the top coaches at the club, most notably Lynn Jones. Luckily for us, he currently works at Rossin Park, so I expect to see him at ODP next season. Next week, we have a dynamic duo from our coaching team, Rocky Hudson and Paul Besant, taking us through their rugby journeys and what it's like being part of the coaching setup under Kai's stewardship. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share your feedback, 
and tell other members about this pod. Until next time, take care.